I find it interesting many times that people will contact me within the church, sometimes even from outside the church, and say, Pastor, I need to talk to you. Uh, I'm having problems, and uh, maybe it's in my marriage, it's with my youth, it's with my kids, it's with my finances, it's with my job. And so I listen to their story, and, and usually from what they have to say, one of the things that I pick up on is they are not following God's plan. I have no answers, okay? I'm not the wizard behind the curtain. I have no answers apart from God's Word. And so when people come and they share those things, I listen compassionately, and then usually my response is something like, well, you know, you're, you're not following God's plan. You know, here's what he says about marriage. Here's what he says about a husband-wife relationship. Here's what he says about being a parent. Here's what he says about how you relate to your employer. And then they usually fairly quickly walk away or hang up. Because they want some sort of magic wand. They want somebody just to fix their problem. Well, I'm telling you and I tell them that the answer to your problem lies in obedience to the Word of God. If you want your marriage to work, you have to follow God's plan. If you want your relationship with your children to work, you have to follow God's plan. If you want things that work to work out, you have to follow God's plan. If we ever have any hope, if we ever wanted things to change in our society, people would have to start following God's plan because that's the only plan that will work. And you don't get to pick and choose. One time many years ago, our church had a men's pie-baking contest. Well, I decided, you know, I wanted to participate, and so I came up with banana cream pie. I thought that that sounded good. You know, I like banana cream pie. If you're going to make one, you might as well make one you like, you know. Well, I wanted it to be special. I wanted to win. And so I took the recipe, all the ingredients and stuff, and, and I included everything it said. But then I decided that wasn't enough. The banana cream pie just seemed to me that it needed bananas. So I added bananas into it because I'm going to win the contest. I'm going to have the best pie of anybody. That was the worst pie you've ever seen in your life. It would never congeal. I guess because of the bananas I added did something to neutralize the gelatin or whatever. So it never set up. So what I had was a pie crust with some sort of liquid content that kind of sloshed around in it when you carried it. So the point here is that you don't take God's recipe and modify it and expect to get good results. You take Him at His word. You follow His plan. Not some modified hybrid version of his plan. You don't take his plan and add things to it and take things away and then scratch your head and say, I don't understand why this recipe didn't turn out right. Because you didn't follow the plan. But far too many people nowadays are not satisfied. It's not enough. God's word, God's plan is not good enough or, or perhaps it's too difficult. It's too difficult. So, yeah, I kind of buy into that thing that God says, but, you know, I mean, the standard's too high. 
I mean, I'm just telling you, it's just too high. And so I've decided to bring it down a notch or two, and this is a level that I'm content with. This is where I'm comfortable. But you know, I've been doing that for years, and it just doesn't seem to be working. I don't know. I don't know why God's not blessing me. Because you're not following God's plan. I'll say one last thing as preface here, and that is that we're going to talk about women, wives submitting to their husbands today. But guys, you are not off the hook. Because next week, your wives are going to make sure that you come. Because next week, we're going to talk about you. So you make sure that you're here next week. Now, another thing that I want to point out is that some of you may say, well, you know, I'm not a wife or I'm not a husband. But I want you to pay attention because there are lessons to be learned here that if you are a young lady and you are thinking about maybe having a husband at some point in the future, then you need to take this into consideration. You need to plan and understand like what your marriage should look like. If God's Word says that you need to be subject to and submissive to your husband, then you need to give serious consideration to this man that you might be enamored with, that you think is your Prince Charming. You need to ask yourself, would I be willing to entrust myself to him? Would I be willing to submit to him? Would I be willing to be subject to him? And men, if you're looking or thinking about the possibility of a wife in the future, we'll certainly cover more of this next week. But you need to listen and pay attention to what God's Word has to say today, realizing the responsibility that you accept when you ask a young lady to entrust herself to you. Certainly not something to be taken lightly. I think I've said lastly a couple of times. So lastly, the thing I want you to get out of this message is not all the do's and don'ts, because it's not an exhaustive list. But what I want you to get out of this message is, is really found in the title of the message today. And that is the beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. You'll see in the context of our passage today that that is what God has called wives to. is to a gentle and quiet spirit. There is beauty in a gentle and quiet spirit. So as we go through this today, I want you women, you wives, to ponder the scriptures that we share today. I want you to receive them in the manner that they are presented, and that is with a heart that says, I love you, that I care about you, that I want your marriages to be successful. I want your marriages to be blessed. I want you to be blessed and to be a blessing to your husbands. And so as you ponder these things today, ponder them in your heart and ask yourself, is that me? Do I have the beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit? Our passage is found today in 
1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. I'd like to read that to you if you follow along. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. So let's take a look at this a little closer, see what God's Word has to say to us today. That first word there, likewise, obviously is referring back to the context of the passages that we've looked at leading up to this, really in the first couple of chapters of 1 Peter, where he's talking about how we are to live this Christian life, and part of how we live the Christian life is to be subject to those in authority, to uh, live our lives before them so that our lives may reflect Christ, that our lives may reflect God, that we, by our very lives, may make God famous, that our lives might point to Him. So likewise, refers back to these other areas of where we should be subject to others. He goes on and says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands. Now, a quick aside here, you might underline that word own, husbands, there. The point of that word there is to make clear that you are subject to your husband, to your husband. You can emphasize that different ways. To your husband, to your husband, to your husband. You are subject to your husband, not just any man. But also when you have different relationships with men in your life, that you are subject to your husband. Now this might apply particularly to young couples, and that is sometimes it's difficult for a young lady who has been under the authority of a father for so many years, then to leave his household and get married to her husband, and be willing to relinquish the father authority in her life and subject herself to her husband. So, young ladies, what you don't do is you don't get married, and then your husband makes a decision, and then you go run to daddy to get a different opinion. Subject to your own husband's. You're not subject to other men in your life, not to your father, not to your uncle, not to somebody else in your circle of friends, but wives, be subject to your own husbands. Now, it's particularly important that he makes this statement here as he talks about how we should live our Christian lives because it goes all the way back to the very beginning, to the earliest pages 
of the Bible. Back to the fall. We find in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, after Eve has eaten of the fruit and she has shared it with her husband, God declares judgment on them. And part of that judgment against the woman, he says, your desire shall be contrary to your husband. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. So by our human nature, by our fallen nature, as a result of humanity's fall, women are cursed, in a sense, with a desire to be contrary to their husbands. Now that explains a lot, doesn't it? So men, now you know why she's contrary. She's cursed. So it comes from the very fall, from the very beginning. God says to the woman, Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he, your husband, shall rule over you. So it makes sense that Peter here in talking to and writing to these believers would say, by way of explanation, that wives should be subject to their husbands. Well, Peter is not the only one who shares this perspective, who shares God's plan. Because as I said, it really is about God's plan. It's about God's order. In, in many ways, it is about protection. When, when Cindy and I do uh, counseling for uh, prospective couples, one of the things that we talk about is this very thing, about the submission of the wife and the roles of the husband and the wife. And one of the things that's important to understand is that in God's order, in God's plan, there is a, a built-in protection mechanism. And we kind of illustrate it much like an umbrella. Okay, And so as long as the wife stays obedient to God's Word and submissive to her husband, she remains under the protection of God because she is submitting to her husband who should be submitting to God. And so she is acting in obedience. But if she disobeys, becomes rebellious, and moves out from under the submission and authority of her husband, she's no longer under the umbrella of protection from God and may be subject to uh, correction, discipline from God. And so there is an order to what God has to say here. There is a plan and there are built-in protections for those who follow it. So in addition to Peter's words on this subject, so the Apostle Paul also uh, shares these same principles. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. He says, I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. 
You see the order there? Everybody accountable to somebody. Everybody is responsible to somebody. So the wife is subject to the husband. The husband is subject to Christ. So there is order there. God is not a God of chaos. God is a God of order. And His plan is very orderly. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he goes on later in verses 8 through 9. The Apostle Paul there says, For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. Order. The Apostle Paul goes on, and you'll see here a very similar statement from the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Ephesian church, chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. He starts off that passage there and says, Wives, submit to your own husbands. Recognize that? Almost word for word, the same thing that Peter says. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Are you willing to submit to the Lord? Then he says, so you should submit to your husband, because your husband should be submitting to Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Can you feel the tension rising in the room? He goes on, the Apostle Paul in chapter 5 of Ephesians, a little further down in verse 33. He touches on men here, but he says, Men, let each of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is a very high standard. We want our marriages to work. We want to be happy in our marriages. We want to be blessed. We want to be fulfilled in our marriages. Then we must accept the teaching of God's Word and apply it to our lives, apply it to our marriages. If we're going to be so rebellious that we say that that's just asking too much, I just can't do that, then you need to just also accept the consequences and realize that your marriage is never going to be what you want it to be. It's never going to be all that it could be because you're selling yourself short. You're not embracing the full counsel of God's Word. The Apostle Paul goes on in another letter to the Colossians in chapter 3, verse 18. Here we see that wives should be submissive to their husbands because it is appropriate, it's acceptable, it's pleasing to God. It is His plan and therefore it is fitting. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. 
It's the right thing to do. It's God's plan. So back to our text here. It says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands. But it goes on and says, So that even if some do not obey the word, speaking there that if you have a believing wife married to an unbelieving husband, so even if some do not obey the word, even if some husbands are not believers, they may be one. One, as in like one to Christ. So wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word. But by the conduct of their wives, when those husbands see your respectful and pure conduct, Now, when he says without a word here, he doesn't mean without sharing the gospel. Obviously, a believing wife should share the gospel with an unbelieving husband. But in some ways, the point here is that some things are better caught than taught. Imagine the scenario where you have a wife who is supposedly a believer but she doesn't act like a believer. She doesn't obey God's Word, and yet she keeps on and on and on at her husband about how he should be a believer. He should accept Christ. He should read his Bible. Now, what do you think that husband's going to be saying? You're just a hypocrite. Are you telling me that I should be a Christian, saying you're a Christian and I should be a Christian, and you're not even obeying God's Word? So his point here is that you should the solution is not to nag your husband. Do not nag your husband. Nothing is to be gained by nagging your husband. So when he says that some may be one without a word, he's saying that the solution is not to just keep on and on and on at this unbelieving husband, that if you have any hope of winning him to Christ, let him see Christ in your life. Live it out. Read God's Word. Understand your role as a godly wife and live it out in front of Him. Let Him see your love and your devotion to Christ and your willingness to be obedient to Him even when it's difficult that you are willing to love your husband even when he is unlovable. It says much to the testimony of how Jesus loves us even when we are unlovable. Wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word, but by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 13, says, A wife's quarreling is a continual dripping of rain. You know that dripping sound? I've had that happen before in my house. I'm laying there in the bed. I hear this dripping in the sink. It won't stop. It won't stop. Got to get up. Got to go fix it. <laughs> 
I can't stand that. Dripping, 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 dripping. It's drive you crazy. And so he says in Proverbs. Also, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 15 says much the same. A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarreling wife are alike. So if you hope to win your husband, do so by your conduct, not by your persistent words. He says, so that they may be one without a word, but by the conduct of their wives, when they, receive, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So what is this respectful conduct? What is it that they should see in your life? What is it that you should be striving for so that you might be an example of a godly wife? You know, even as I, I say that, it, it reminds me about the responsibility that the older women have in the church, particularly in the church. You have a lot of young women that are watching you. Whether you realize it or not, they are watching you. They're watching your marriage. They're watching how you relate to your husband. They're watching how your husband relates to you. And you're teaching them. You're teaching them about how they should treat their husbands. What do they see? Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slave to much wine, they are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children. To be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands so that the Word of God may not be reviled. Young ladies are watching the older women to see how they interact, how they relate to their husbands. Are they seeing you submissive and respectful to your husbands? Are you being honoring to your husbands? Is it clear that you are subject to your husbands? Or do they look at your life and say, Man, I know who wears the pants in that family. You see, it goes back to the fall. That the woman's desire will be to be contrary to her husband. And so the natural bent is that the woman is going to desire to be in control, to dominate the husband. And if you allow that to happen, then you're living in sin. Older women should set an example for the younger women to be submissive to their own husbands. Back to our text this morning, 
verses 3 through 4. He says, this is the way you should not live, but here is the way you should live. Verses 3 through 4, do not let your adorning be external. The braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. Now let me take a pause there and say, don't miss the point here. Because I know some of you ladies, you know, you're fashionados and you hear this and you're like so upset because you're thinking I've got this really cool dress and the purse and the shoes to match and he's saying that I can't wear them. I'm not saying that at all. He's saying don't let your focus, don't let your emphasis be strictly on the outward appearance. Now, some may need to take a, 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 a look here and say, you know what, I spend hours on my outward appearance putting on makeup and picking out the right outfit and changing 32 times before we leave for church in the morning. I spend so much time on my outward appearance, but I spend no time on working on the inside. So maybe some need to look at that. But the point here, the point here does not mean that you should not braid your hair it doesn't mean that you shouldn't wear jewelry, that you should not try to look nice. That's not the point. He says, do not let your adorning be external. Don't be so caught up and so focused on how you look on the outside that you miss the important thing of how you are on the inside. He goes on, verse 4, but let your adorning be the hidden person. The hidden person. Let your adorn, focus your adorning, your beauty on the inside, on the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. I love that phrase right there. Adorning the hidden person of the heart. Making that hidden person of the heart beautiful. Adorning the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 through 10 speak much to this point as well. It says, Women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control. That's what you should adorn yourself with. Not with braided hair and gold of pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. You want to be a beautiful, godly woman? Then make sure that you're working on adorning the hidden person of the heart and not just on your outward appearance. A believing wife should be characterized not by the passing earthly fashions, but by the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Christian wives should be devoted not to the temporal beauty, but to the lovely 
adornments of godliness. Back to our text, he says, Let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of gentle, of a gentle and quiet spirit. This word gentle here comes from a word referring to a humble and meek attitude expressed in patient submissiveness. Now, if you had somebody describe you, wives, Is that how they would describe you? Humble and meek attitude expressed in patient submissiveness. That's gentle. Quiet means to be still or tranquil. He's called you to adorn the hidden person of the heart with beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit such character in a believing wife is the true inner beauty that is precious in the sight of God the Lord's most pleased when a believing woman's outward adornment is merely just a compliment to or a reflection of the beauty of the hidden person of the heart He finally concludes his remarks in this passage by giving us an example. He says in verse 5, For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. Focus was not on the outward appearance, but on the inward. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord or Master, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Now essentially what he's saying here is much like we see in the teaching in the New Testament reflecting back on Abraham. It says that you know we of the New Covenant, because of our faith, just as Abraham had faith and it was counted to him as righteousness we see this in Romans chapter 4 that as we have faith so it will be counted to us as righteousness and that in that covenant that we are the children of Abraham and so kind of playing off of that he says here in effect that women who follow the example of Sarah are like her children, just as those of us who follow the example of faith of Abraham are like his children. So Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. This final phrase here, you do not fear anything that is frightening. The implication there is that he realizes that it is not simple. It's not easy to subject ourselves to anyone. And that it will not be easy for the wife to submit or subject herself to the husband because there's a certain amount of trust that you must have in that other person to be willing to subject yourself and submit to them. 
And so he says that if you do good and do not fear, trust God, follow His plan, obey His plan, and do not fear. Do not be afraid to subject yourself to your husband because God is sovereign. He is in control of everything. He's in control of your situation. He's in control of your marriage. But you must do your part. You must be subject to your husbands. So as a reminder from our passage today, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Let's pray. Father, you are holy and you are good and father you love us and it's for that reason that you have given us your very word to tell us how much you love us to tell us about the ways that you have loved us that you are loving us and that you will love us father you've given us a plan for how to live this life that you've given us Father, unfortunately, because of our rebellion, we, we war against that. We fight against that plan. But at the same time, we want to be blessed. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to seek your word, to understand your plan, and to be courageous and brave enough to step out in faith to follow your plan. May we honor you with our lives. May we make our lives a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you as we seek to bring our, our lives into compliance with your plans in every area of our life. These things I ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.
the skies these hallelujahs be multiplied these offering stretch across the skies and these hallelujahs be heart, oh God, completely to you. Matchless heart, what can I do but offer this heart, oh
will stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. I'll stand my soul, Lord, to you surrendered all I am is yours. I am is yours. I am is I know you know this, but I want to say it. We're blessed to have these folks. Y'all don't, you maybe don't realize all the work that goes into, you know, they don't just come up here before the service starts and, you know, play rock, paper, scissors and decide what songs they're going to do or something. A lot of planning goes into that. What songs are you going to sing? How does it work with the message and practice coming up here and the evenings and practicing and stuff all before we get here and then they get here what do y'all get here like nine something on Sunday mornings and we're not even serving them coffee right now so we need to thank them for that all right let me uh get you out of here bless you father thank you so much for our time together today I almost don't want to go I just love being with your people and thank you for our time here this morning thank you for teaching us from your word father may we be obedient children as we seek to bless and honor you These things I lift up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.